Hey, good morning. Good to see you today. Um, I just want to say a quick word. I, Ruby, thank you for leading worship today. I just want to say as a church, amen. I, I just want to say as a church, one of the things that I certainly appreciate about Southgate is that we have a, an, er, an earnest desire to raise up the next generation. And, you know, um, when we do that, it's not always going to be perfect. It's not always going to be hitting every note. Um, even when we think about like, uh, you know, I don't preach every Sunday and I have different guys in the pulpit on staff. Uh, part of that is they say that it takes someone uh, over 300 times in the pulpit before they find their voice, like who they are and how to communicate the truth of the word of God. And, and I appreciate a church that's willing to train up others to do the work of the ministry. You know, and I was thinking about that a lot this weekend because, and this is kind of kind of dovetailing the message here in just a moment, but one of the things that you find in the church world is that a lot of churches and even some denominations are all about the hype. You know, let's bring the hype or they have, you know, big events and big programs. And I know we do some of that stuff around here and I get, you know, I get all that. But it is my desire that we have a church that's rooted in and grounded in the word of God. I mean, because at the end of the day, I mean, like what you win people with and what you what you anchor people's hearts to is what's going to ultimately bring them back. And if all we're ever trying, if all we're trying to do is just to meet some religious good or service, service or, or hype people up, um, that only lasts so long. And I, and I want to say this. Now, some of you, you need to learn how to share your emotions. Like when we sing, um, you're going to freak out when we get to heaven, man. People are going to be clapping, raising hands. They're going to dance in the aisles. It's going to be crazy when we get to heaven. And you're just not going to be prepared for all that Jesus is going to offer you on that day, right? And so, you know, we need to have this sense of worship to where it's okay to, to celebrate who Jesus is. And, and the reality is, is I know, I know you guys know how to celebrate. I know you know how to do that. Because, um, you know, you wear your Chiefs jerseys and you, you get fired up. Uh, I've watched football with some of you and you act like morons when we're doing that. And, 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 and there's this, 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 this reckless abandon of your own personality because you're rooting for your team. Yesterday was a great day because I called David Roy. I, I, don't, I, I don't like Tennessee, the University of Tennessee. Uh, they're arch rivals of the University of Florida. But yesterday I rooted for the University of Tennessee because they beat Alabama, right? And so we celebrated that, and he picked up the phone. And he's like, what's up, brother? You know, he was super stoked about that. And, and you'd have thought I was calling to talk to him about Jesus, but it was the University of Tennessee, and he almost broke out in Rocky Top for me yesterday. Now, let me just caveat this for a minute, because while yes and amen, there are, there are certain churches, denominations, and whatnot that, that hype, they hype everything. But one of the things that I find fascinating, and, I, and I, Chuck and I have had this conversation before, Chuck Williams, one of our deacons, one of the things that I appreciate about our Pentecostal, our uh, Assemblies of God brothers and sisters, one of the things that I really appreciate, appreciate about them is this, they have faith in God. It's fascinating when you talk to our brothers and sisters that, um, you know, their theology is a little bit different on some things, but they really believe in the power of God. They really believe that, that anything is possible when they pray. They believe anything is possible with God. And, 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 and unfortunately, sometimes I believe with us as Baptists, we get a little bit too cerebral in our faith, you know. We get too calculated in our faith and we just stop believing God, trusting God, and, and understanding, ultimately, that God is the God of the impossible. Can I get an amen on that today? 
He's the God of the impossible. He's the God of the supernatural. He's the God who answers prayers. And yet, we bring these anemic, weak, half-hearted prayers to God, and we expect God to hear our prayers. <clears throat> and so, in Matthew chapter 7 this morning, I'd like us to begin reading in verse number 7, and I, I want you to think about that with me today. Jesus said to his disciples in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, if you want to bring about my kingdom, if you want to, be, if you want to bring the kingdom to earth, if you want to be my disciple, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. But which one of you, if his son asks him for a bread, will give him a stone? I would do something like that, but okay. Or if he asks for a fish, you give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? There's just so much here that's dripping with hope, and I trust that God will give us a word this morning. Father, I need you to anchor my heart in this passage today. Because there's parts of me that doubt it. There's parts of me that struggle with this. There's parts of me that want to believe this for other people, but not necessarily in my own faith and in my own life. And I ask God that you would just give me a clarity in this text today. I pray that you give our church a clarity in it. I pray, Lord, that we might leave here today with greater faith and greater hope in not just uh, what God can do, but who God is, the character and the faithfulness of Almighty. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're continuing our series this morning on uh, Kingdom Come, and we're learning about what it means to become the people that God wants us to be. Now, I remember this entire sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, is about who we are, not what we do, and I hope that God is working on your inner man. I hope God is working on who you are. I hope God is working on your character. I hope God is working on your faith, the person that you, that you really are on the inside. See, Jesus is more concerned with who we are, not what we do. Now, when you think about this, for some, that can sound totally controversial, but a lot of people play the game, just like the Pharisees did in the New Testament, in the Gospels, the audience to whom Jesus was speaking to. And there's a group of people that they know how to play the game, and they, they, really, they, they don't really know and love and pursue Jesus. That wasn't their agenda. That wasn't their ambition. That wasn't their desire. And so what Jesus is doing here, and what we find in this text, is that he wants us to become the people that he has called us to be. Now, I think it was J.I. Packer that said this. He goes, we become the people that God has called us to be when we become people of prayer. John MacArthur said it this way. He said, man is at his greatest and he is at his highest when, uh, when upon his knees in prayer before the Almighty. In a very large degree, we cannot become the people that God has called us to be until we learn how to pray. So for me, this message couldn't come at a better time. Because there have been some days recently where I've just wondered if God was even listening. And I know that might sound strange for you to hear that coming from your pastor, but there have been some days recently and I'm like, God, are you there? Are you listening? Do you really care? Because it seems like everything I'm throwing up, it's hitting the ceiling and coming right back down. Now, 
There have been times where I've even doubted that God recognizes what's going on in my life or if he even cares about the things that I'm struggling with or dealing with. And I imagine many of you that prayer is a struggle. And I believe that there's many of you that, that probably think, man, what's the use? Prayer's this, prayer can, be, can, can seem or feel pointless at times. In fact, most messages that I've heard on prayer growing up have been more or less a, a, more, more or less a, a drive-by guilting. No one here today is going to say, man, you know, after hearing this message, oh gosh, I need to pray more. We all know that we need to pray more. We know that we need to learn to pray. But my wife's grandfather used to say, the hardest work I know is prayer. The hardest thing in all the world to do is to pray, to learn how to pray. And we know this, and this passage should encourage us that God delights in us, and he, He's inviting us. You know, that's the reality, is God is inviting us into communion. He's inviting us to pray. He's inviting us to depend on Him in this text. And in this text, Jesus is teaching us that dependence leads to impact and leads to intimacy. And so the big idea this morning is this, is that when you depend on God, your life will have impact and you'll have intimacy. So let me just give you this quick definition of prayer. Prayer is simply this. This is what prayer is. It's a conversation with God where we depend on Him. That's prayer. It's a conversation with God. And I remember being in Bible college, and I was in seminary, and there was this guy, um, we called him, his nickname was KJV1611, because whenever he prayed, he'd, he'd pray like this, Dear thou, Heavenly Father, we come before thee today. And then I'd go talk to the guy, and he would talk like a normal person, right? Like, I don't pray in the King's English. I pray to God like I'm talking to you right now. God wants uh, to know the real us. He already knows the real us, and he wants us to be the real us in front of him and for him. That's what prayer is. And this morning, our prayer life will be effective when we learn to depend on God and deepen our intimacy with him. Prayer, and please write this down because this isn't in your note today. Prayer is about the possibilities of trusting in God. That's what prayer is. It's about the possibilities of trusting in God. That's what prayer is all about. And God delights in the prayer of his people. He wants us to elevate our prayer life. Today, when we leave here, after hearing the word of God, after hearing Jesus' invitation into communion, dependence, and provision, you should leave here today with a greater view of who God is and a desire to have a conversation with him about what's going on in your life. Because he wants to walk with you. He wants you to lean on Him. He wants you to pester Him with your requests. I know one of the things that most moms struggle with, it's, it's, a, it's actually a diagnosis that they get from doctors, but moms get what's called um, audio deficiency syndrome. How many moms know what audio deficiency syndrome is? Some of you have it. It's where your kids come to you and they're like, Mom, 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 Mom. And you just tune them out. Can I get an amen on that? After a while, it just sounds the same. It's just background noise. Like why, Most of you moms could probably sleep through that, right? And here's the reality. is God wants us to come to him and say, oh God, oh God, oh God, I need you. He wants us to pester him. He wants us to step to him. He wants us to ask him for what we need. He wants to know where we're afraid. He wants to know where, we, we, where we've been hurt. He wants to know where we're doubting him. He wants to know the struggles of our heart and our mind and our faith. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to pester him with, his, with our requests. 
When you struggle with prayer, and we all do, we can be encouraged that God is listening and He longs. He longs to hear our prayers and the requests of our heart. But those who live for the kingdom, those of us who want to see the kingdom come here on earth, and, and, and when I talk about that, I know you guys think globally, but man, I want to have a good marriage. And part of me living in the kingdom of God is having a strong marriage with my wife. This weekend, I, I, I mean, there's some things in my, my family, my kids' life, I want to see, I want to see, I want to see the kingdom in my home. You know what I mean? Can I get an amen on that? I want to see my wife and I getting along in a gospel-centered way. I want to see my kids getting along in a gospel-centered way. I, 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 want to, I want to see that. But I want you to notice this, that nothing of significant happens without prayer. Write that down today. Nothing of significance happens in our lives without praying. Prayer is one of those things that moves the spiritual world. It moves it. It moves the needle. God, God, bend, uh, uh, God bends his ear to hear our prayers. Prayer is one of those things that moves the spiritual world, and we cannot do that with a, without a life of dependency or a life of prayer. So in verse 7, what we learn first and foremost from Jesus is this, is that we have to depend on God in prayer. Jesus acknowledges right out of the gate that we'll have need. He knows that. We're going to have need. And I don't know, a person sitting in this room today, and I don't care if you have 3 or $4 million in your checking account, you have need today. You have spiritual needs. You have health needs. You have family needs. You have struggles. You have doubts. You have fears. You have worries. You have concerns. In fact, we have so much need that we will not be able to only, not only to serve, but to survive on our own. And so Jesus knew that, and he invites us to ask him for what we need. He asks us, he, he says, look, I want you to depend on me. I want you to bring your need to me. He says, ask, ask, and it will be given unto you. Seek, and, and you will find. There are things that we depend on that are natural. We do this. Well, there's things in our life that we depend on that are very natural. Eating, like we need to eat, right? And we need to breathe. Those are things we depend on. Like you cannot live without food and air, right? Amen. Somebody say amen today, right? All right, we're there. And here's what I want you to notice. Prayer should be as natural as breathing. Prayer should be as natural as breathing. Rarely do we think about breathing. We just do it. So it should be with prayer and depending on God. This week, I, God woke me up in the middle of the night for one of our church members. And I just laid in bed. And I said, oh, God, be with, this man, be with this man. Be with his situation. God, I can't even begin to imagine what he's feeling, what he's going through. I can't imagine the struggles that his family are, are facing right now. But God, he needs you. And I can't help him, but you can. Many a night that happens, and I imagine the same thing happens for you. God, God knows that we have need, and he invites us into this thing called prayer so that we can depend on him. Paul Miller in his book, A Praying Life, says if we think we can do life on our own, we will not take prayer seriously. If we think we can do this thing on our own, like any of it, we're not going to pray. And so here's the thing. Your prayer life will be as effective as your dependence on God. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Your prayer life is as effective as your dependence on God. You see, God's kingdom work in our lives and in the lives of others cannot be accomplished in our own strength, but in the strength of our Father, our Heavenly Father. Someone said it this way. He goes, learned desperation is at the heart of a praying life. And I, I just want to ask you today, how desperate are you to see God work? 
<laughs> How desperate are you to see God work in your marriage? How desperate are you to see God work in your school? How desperate are you to see God work in your life? How desperate are you to see God work in your kids' lives? I mean, really, how desperate are you? I don't see a lot of desperation in our lives. I see a lot of complaining. I see a lot of grumbling. I see a lot of criticism. I see a lot of, a lot of other things other than desperation. Matt Chandler, when he came down with cancer, he said, when, when God allowed me to suffer, it was his greatest act of mercy in my life. Because anything that draws me closer to him is an act of mercy. And so few of us ever, ever get really desperate for God. So this means prayer isn't just a discipline, man. It's a desperation. It's a life of desperation. Prayer isn't just some lifeline when you get into trouble or you need something. It's an intentional act of depending on the one to whom, uh, from whom our strength comes from. And I'm going to tell you, I get wore out spiritually, mentally, and emotionally when I try to do things in the strength of my flesh or in my own strength. When I try to do this thing on my, my own, and there's a lot of things I can do on my own, a lot of things I can grind, and I take pride in that. But I just read this morning in James where the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. God looks for the broken in spirit, the needy, the one who realizes they can't figure this thing out on their own. See, the more desperate you are towards God, the more powerful your prayer life will be. The more desperate you are, the more power your prayer life will be. Every fiber of our being will fight against the need for you to depend on God in prayer. Everything in you, everything in you fights against the need to depend on someone or something else. Everything in us does that because we want to think, we got, man, I got this. I mean, you don't have anything. In a moment, your life could be turned upside down. In a moment, everything can change. And it might be good right now. But at the end of the day, every fiber of our being fights against our need to depend on God. But your joy and purpose cannot be established without depending on God in prayer. Because what do you have without God? What is of significance without God? What is your joy? What is your calling without God? What is it? It's empty and it's shallow. And so Jesus says, look, depend on God in prayer. And then he says in verse 8, determine determined to persistently pursue his will. And so he says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now in verses 7 and 8, the words ask, seek, and knock are in the present tense. And that means this. That we persistently keep pursuing his will in our lives by praying to him. And this is what... The verse could be, it, it, could be, it could be translated this way. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking, be persistent, don't give up. Now, I, I've had littles in the past, little kids, and, and I still think they're little to me, but they're about to be 17 and 18 years old. But how many parents have ever gone to Walmart or Target? I don't like going to Walmart. I feel like it's a terrorist cell. I do. It's just, it's a wild world in Walmart. You know, I think there's this website that's called People of Walmart. And I just struggle going in there sometimes. And it's not because I'm bougie or, or uppity or anything like that. I'm just afraid, you know. But 
Maybe you go to Walmart. Maybe you go to Target. Whatever your hy I don't know. Hy-Vee's bougie. I'm just going to be honest about that. That's like a whole nother world of grocery shopping that I'm just not accustomed to. But how many of you are taking your kids to the store and you're walking down the grocery line like, Mom, can I have one of these? Dad, can I have one of these? Can I have one of these? Can I have one of these? And, and you're like, no. And then they go and they ask for something else. Can I get one of these? No. And it's just like 15 different things. i got to have this. I, I want this. This is really good. Can I get it? No. You know how I knew when my kids really wanted something? When they kept asking for the same thing over and over and over and over again. I knew they really wanted it. I knew it really meant something to them. I believe to some degree that's how God is with us because there's a lot of things that we ask God for that are somewhat frivolous and trivial. <laughs> I think God wants to know how serious we are when we come before his presence and ask for him to move on our behalf. You see, prayer changes us. It aligns us with God as we draw close to him. And I'll be honest, patience isn't my gift, and let's all be honest, Waiting on God is one of the hardest things that we have to do. Can I get an amen on that? And I've said this before, but I'm going to be honest with you today. Like, I struggle with waiting. Hot pockets are just, they take far too long to heat up in the microwave. It's all of, what, two minutes? And I'm like, come on, man. I'm just standing there watching the cheese. It's got to be ready, right? And many of us just struggle with this idea of waiting because we, we want everything our way right away. It's like Burger King. We want it right now. We got to have it. We, we know nothing. We know nothing. Our kids know very little. And I was trying to explain this to one of my kids the other day. And as I was talking to them, they just kind of looked at me like a deer in headlights. I'm like, baby, you don't know what delayed gratification is. You know, like save up for this, then buy it. You know, it's just we don't we don't get that. But, but here's what I think we can understand in this text today is that prayer transforms us for the, from the inside out. So much so that our, our will, our desire, our agenda, our motives then become a part of God's will, God's kingdom advancement. And there's this tendency for all of us to lose heart when we don't receive the answer that we desire when we desire. And so what do we do? We give up on praying. We give up. We stop praying and, and we lose hope. And someone said it this way. I think this is in your notes today. Our prayer, when someone says our prayer doesn't work, often means that that you didn't do my will in my way and in my time. God didn't answer my prayer. No, you just didn't do what you wanted to when you wanted it at the time that you thought you needed it. So, so here's the thing. Persistence in prayer develops our faith. God is strengthening our faith and teaching us what we need while we're waiting for him to answer our prayer. Waiting on God, learning what he wants is more valuable than the answer. Let me say that again. Good place for an amen, just in case you're with me today. Waiting on God and learning what He wants, what God wants, what God desires, what God's agenda might be, is more valuable than the answer. See, we often think, like, God's got to hear this. God's got to answer. The answer isn't the solution to your faith. It's the waiting on God and trusting in God and depending on God when He is silent, when He doesn't answer, when He's strengthening you in a season of suffering and want and need. I shared this passage with someone this week that, that the tested genuineness of our faith is more valuable than gold, silver, and precious stone. And basically what the passage teaches in Peter there is that 
that if I had a gold bar sitting here in my hand, and I'm like, here, here's a gold bar, or here's what God wants to do in your faith, God says, what I can do in your faith, what I can do in your life, what I can do for you spiritually, in testing you, and trying you, and developing your faith, is far greater than a full bank account. It's far greater than wealth. But yet we want the wealth. Now, now please write this down today. Just because God is silent doesn't mean God is absent. Just because God is silent doesn't mean God is absent. Now, please notice this. God doesn't prove his love. And I want to tell you something today. God doesn't need to prove his love. He's already done that. God doesn't prove his love when he answers our prayers. God doesn't prove his love when he answers our prayers. God proved his love 2,000 years ago when he sent Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, and he nailed him to a cross to pay for our sins, and he went to the grave, and three days later, he victoriously came back to life with the keys to death held in the grave. That's love. Jesus did that for us. God did that for us. And everything we need, hear me on this, everything you need, everything that I need, is found in Jesus. God met our greatest need, a Savior, and He demonstrated His love in the cross. And it takes more faith to keep on praying than get what you want. Write that down. It takes a lot more faith to keep on praying than to get what you want. Abraham didn't stagger at the promises of God. His faith got stronger the longer he waited. Waiting with faith and hope in God develops our faith like few things. But then we see this persistence demonstrates our seriousness before God. And I've already noted that this morning with my kids. Kids just ask for stuff that they don't even need. And, and, and really, kids ask for stuff they don't even want, right? They just do that. You know why? Because they're immature. They don't know better. And in a lot of ways, we're like our kids, spiritually speaking, because we ask for things we don't need and we don't want, and we're going to throw away anyways, and we're going to end up playing in a box like on Christmas Day rather than the super awesome bike that our parents bought us, right? Now, here's this thing with prayer. You and me, in the scope of God's economy, we are far too ignorant to understand the will of God. That's some heavy stuff. We are far too ignorant to understand the will of God. There are things in my life that I can't explain. Why did God, why did God, why did God do this? Why did God allow this? Why did God let me go through this? I mean, I could give you illustration after illustration of things that have occurred in my life, things that, 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 that hurt, things that just ripped me up on the inside. And I'm, I'm far too ignorant to understand the will of God. And there's this mystery in prayer that we must grow comfortable with. We've got to grow comfortable with this idea that, that God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are are not our thoughts. He operates on a completely different cosmic universal level, this eternal level that we can't even begin to fathom. We've got to be okay with that. So then you, you look at me this morning, you're like, well, then why do we pray? Right? Why do I do this? Well, because God ordained that his will would be accomplished by the prayer of his people. See, what happens is, as we join in with God on His plan in the world, then we trust Him. 
And one of the fascinating things about God is that he longs to hear us pray persistently. He wants to hear us fervently. He's like a father, and he's compassionate. And this is what we do instead. We often grumble right at the point where God is about to do his greatest work. We we grumble. We complain. And instead of grumbling, we can choose faith that will grow and draw us into a deeper communion with God. And I just want to ask you this morning, I don't know your thing today. And everybody's got a thing. It's financial, it's health, it's, it's relational, it's school. It's, everybody's got a thing in this room today. And if you don't have a thing right now, mark my words, a thing is coming. It's coming. But let me ask you this, in the midst of your thing, when you're desperate for God, when you're getting serious with God, are you going to be okay with just getting to know God in the midst of your thing? If God doesn't give you the answer you want, Because the answer might be, I'm just going to grow your faith right now, and I'm going to let you reach out for more of me. Because what you need more than finances, what you need more than health, what you need more than a strong marriage, what you need is me. What you need is what I'm going to offer you, because at the end of the day, sufficiency is found in me. Strength is found in me. Peace and joy and purpose is found in me. And so if God doesn't give you what you want, Are you content with just knowing him? One writer put it this way. He says, if you're going to enter this divine dance that we call prayer, you have to surrender your desire to be in control to figure out how prayer works. You got to give that up, man. You got to give up the desire to be in control. When God's people pursue something by asking, seeking, knocking, he responds with faithfulness and generosity. He doesn't hold what is good. And that kind of dovetails into verse 9 through 11 where we deepen our intimacy. We deepen our intimacy. Now, look at this passage. He goes, in, in verse 9, which one of you, if he has a son, asks for bread and gives him a stone? I, and I joke about that. My kid, you know, I tease my kids sometimes. But listen, I love my kids. And if they ask me for something, I'm going to do every, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bend heaven and earth to give them what they want. I'm going to do my best. And I can't always come, I feel so limited sometimes in being able to bless my kids. But I'm going to do everything I can. If my kids say, man, Dad, I need this, I'm not going to just, you know, give them something else just because I want to be a jerk to them. But he says, if he asks for a fish, you give him a serpent. And then he says, if, if then you who are evil. And what he means by that, typically like as parents, a lot of times we give our kids stuff because we want them to love us or we give them things because we want them to shut up. Can I get an amen on that? Right? Come on. I, I know a lot of parents are going to say amen to that, but you, you know what I'm saying, Right? Please go watch TV. I'm tired of hearing you talking to me right now, right? So we have those moments, right? And so he says, if you know how to do good things for your kids, and even though you're not as holy as God, as, as benevolent as God would be, then he says, you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So what Jesus is doing here is he's arguing from the lesser principle to the greater one. Human parents know how to give good gifts to their children. By comparison, the Heavenly Father can do abundantly more for His children. And you know what? You and me, we're His children. And He can do more for us than is humanly imaginable. The whole point here is that we're blessed to have God as our Father, and we should be encouraged because if we give what we do to our children from our limited, finite resources, how much more will God do for His children? 
So we should be encouraged by the love that God has for those who are his. Someone said it this way, when we stop being ourselves with God, we're no longer in a real conversation with God. And here's what I want you to notice. When we come to God, this is, what I, this is part of the definition of prayer. Prayer is a, it's a conversation with God. Now I get, man, to a very large degree, there is a lack of reverence in our worship. There is a lack of awe. That's why many of you just kind of come strolling in here like mid-service, like we're not in here trying to lift up Jesus to an audience of one. Just come strolling in here, you know, talking, jacking around. We lack a sense of awe in our worship. We lack a sense of sobriety, if you will. And I'm not talking about bringing a cup of coffee in here, bringing a donut. I mean, if you brought like a, a big breakfast meal from McDonald's, that'd be an issue for me. Like, you know, if you're sitting there cutting pancakes while I'm trying to worship Jesus, that'd be weird, right? I'm, I'm trying to hold this thing in tension, but the reality is we lack a sense of awe. But, but in reality, when we do talk to God while we fear him, and when we talk about fear, it's a sense of awe, like, God, I trust you. God, I know you love me. I know that you're for me. And so there's this sense of intimacy in this passage that many of us lack. And so therefore, we, we, we tend to not step into, these, into the relationship that we have with God with intimacy, with openness, with authenticity. And, and someone said it this way, or this is how I would phrase it this way. When, when your prayer becomes routine, all you have is religion. When your prayer becomes routine, all you have is religion. There's a certain confidence in these verses, a confidence that God will answer your prayer, a confidence that he exists, that he's listening, that he's able to fulfill our request. And it can be a clear statement of this truth. And so if we're not daring enough to believe God for intimacy in the impossible, we'll miss out on some of the best parts of the, of the Christian life that Jesus is offering us. And here's the reality. Some of you are bored. Some of you just lack general purpose in your life. Jay Stringer wrote one of the most fascinating books that I've ever read on, on, on sexuality. And he said one of the reasons that men struggle with pornography addiction or unwanted sexual behavior in their life is because of this. Number one reason, they lack purpose in their life. They lack purpose. And so what we do is we get all mad, like it's a moral issue for us. Like, oh man, I can't believe people look at, more, look at pornography. Pornography is not the issue. What the issue is is that most people, they're bored and they lack purpose. That's it. You find somebody and you give them purpose, I mean like real, eternal, significant purpose, it changes everything. And when you get to know Jesus and you get to walk with Jesus and you get to see Jesus do the impossible and you get to see him do it in your life and in your family and your marriage, there is nothing on this planet or in this universe that is worth living for more than when you have purpose with Jesus Christ. Nothing. And so everything else kind of fades to the side because you've, you've reprioritized your life and you said, hey... Jesus is worth living for, and I'm going to be in church on Sunday, and I'm going to serve God with my life, and I'm going to give, and I'm going to, I'm going to expect the impossible, and the impossible is going to be normal in my life because I serve a big, faithful, loving God. And I just wonder how many of us are stepping into that today. I mean, I wonder how many of us are really believing God for that. How many of us are believing that God could actually fill up every seat in this auditorium? How many of us are believing that God could save our coworker? How many of us are believing that God could restore our marriage? How many of us believe that God could take the, the hearts of our kids and raise up a generation that moves this world into a season of revival? How many of us are believing God for that? Well, I wonder, because I don't see many of us being good. I don't see many of us getting very desperate or living very desperate lives depending on God and prayer for those things. 
Now, here's the thing. Our problem isn't figuring out what these verses mean. We know what these verses mean. The problem is our, our experience doesn't live up to the promise. Our experience doesn't live up to the promise. I believe God wants to answer prayers. I believe God wants to answer some prayers in your life. I believe that God wants to do some supernatural, significant things in your life today. But we're just not believing Him for those things. We're not stepping into the realm of the supernatural. We're not stepping into the realm of the impossible. We're not believing that, 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 that God spoke this world and its, and its universe and the galaxies into existence. And he did so by the word of his power. And he didn't break a sweat doing it. He didn't do it. He didn't. And this morning, God is in heaven. And I know for some of you today, your life is unwinding at the seams. And you have no idea what's going on. I want to speak a word to you this morning. God hasn't forgotten your address. He is not pacing in heaven, wringing his hands, breaking his sweat. He is the king of the ages. He's the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And he has all authority and power on heaven and in earth. And this morning, he doesn't have to. He graciously invites us to bring our requests before God. He graciously invites us to put our faith in Him, and yet we doubt His faithfulness. Does God love me? Is it really true? Does God really answer prayer? It's, like, it's likely many of you have gotten to the point in your life where you, you begin to doubt this whole God thing because you've tried the prayer things and, and it didn't work. Your faith is waned and you've given up depending on Him. Listen, just because God doesn't give you what you want or what you think you need doesn't mean that he doesn't hear or that he doesn't love you. Amen. As disciples, the more we depend and the more intimacy and impact we will gain. This morning, I want to challenge you to consider what it means to really depend on God. I want to ask you this morning, how many of you want to get desperate for God today? How many of you want to be a part of something significant this morning, I want to simply remind you that God desires to hear your prayers. He longs to show his faithful generosity to those who pursue his kingdom. In the midst of our deepest, darkest struggles, we can find hope in the one who hears our prayers. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? How many of you would say to me this morning, Pastor Jason, I do not know with a certainty that I'm right with God. I don't know that I'm forgiven of my sins, and I don't know that heaven is my home. I don't know that if I were to step out into eternity that I, would, that I would go to heaven. I don't know that for sure. How many of you would lift your hand and let me pray with you today? How many of you would like that this morning? Amen. Now, how many of you would say to me this morning, Pastor Jason, I need to get desperate for God. There are some things in my life that I, I need a word from God. I need God to grow my faith. I need strength. How many of you would lift your hands up today and pray and say, God, that is, that, Jason, that is me. That's me right here today. Amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you stand to your feet this morning? Father in heaven, I just pray this morning that we might be a people 
who learn to pray, of people that get desperate and dependent for God. God, I, I want to see families of faith. I want to see families that are sharing their faith. I want to see families that are, that, are, that are living out their calling and doing so with joy and real purpose. God, there are some families in this room that are struggling with health issues, financial issues. There are families in this, struggle, in this room that are struggling with relational issues. There are kids in this room that have anxiety and fear. They're being bullied at school. God, the, the list is innumerable this morning of the amount of need that's in this room here today. And you're inviting us in this moment, God, to share our hearts, to share our lives, to walk intimately with you in a conversation and to watch you work on our behalf, to defend, Lord, us, to strengthen us, to build us, to empower us, not to live as victims, but as victors in the kingdom of God. And I pray for our church this morning, and I pray, Lord, that we might have a moment of prayer. I pray, Lord, that we might have a, a moment of worship, a moment of significance, a moment of clarity where we recognize what is really important and what is significant in our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Church, before the first note is sung, how many of you say, like, I need, I need this, I need this. I need to walk with God in these things. I need to pray. I need to get desperate for God. I need to depend on him. Right now, if God's spoken to you, would you just step out of your seat and come to the altar? Right now, just come. Say, God, I need this in my life. God, I, I need more of you. God, I, I, how many of you would say to me this morning, Pastor, I can't tell you the last time I had God answer one of my prayers. I, I couldn't tell you. Listen, that is not the normative of the Christian life. The normative of the Christian life is that we go to God and we ask Him for what we need. And He hears and He answers. And we can point God was faithful here, and God was faithful here, and God showed up here, and God provided here, and God renewed here, God rebuilt, God restored right here. How many of you could say that today? God is hearing my prayers. I am walking with God in this way. And let me, let me flip it this way. How about this? When you are in a moment of need, who do you turn to for prayer? There's, there's someone in everyone's life that you know when there's a need and there's a struggle, I gotta, I gotta get to this person and tell them. It just seems like they have the, they have the red phone to the throne room of heaven, and they can dial up God, and God hears, and God answers, and God moves. What would it be for you to be that person that people dial up and say, "Hey, man, I, I need, I need a word from God on this," and that means that you become a person of prayer. Are you that person today? Could you be that person for someone? Sherry and the team are going to sing, and if God's spoken to you today, would you come and just fall on your knees before a holy God who loves you and wants to hear your prayers?